0: It was just an ordinary bush, a nondescript desert thorn bush. No doubt Moses had seen it many, many times in his 40 years out there in the desert as a shepherd. I'm sure he'd actually gotten familiar with every bush, every tree, every rock. Uh, You tend to do that when you stay in one place for 40 years. It was an ordinary bush, but there was something different this time. No, it wasn't the fact that it was on fire. I'm sure that Moses actually had seen a couple of wildfires in his day as well, in those four decades, tending his father-in-law's sheep. now what made it different was the fact that though it was on fire, that bush was not being destroyed, not burning up. It wasn't being consumed by the flames. And from this one supernatural experience, nothing would ever be the same for Moses. You see, without the fire, the bush was just a bush. With the fire, it became something greater. That's ultimately what I want us to see this weekend as we've been celebrating 75 years incorporated as a church. This building, the historic chapel building the proposed youth center, the parsonage, none of those are the church. You know that, right? We are the church. Um, The New Testament uses the term called-out ones to describe the church, a concept that basically is the fact that we are a gathering of people who have been called out of the world's mindset, uh, called out of slavery to sin, and called out of a life of self-centeredness. And we've been called then into a body, A living organism, a family, a church, and we have been part of the global historic church as Powell View Community Christian Church for seventy-five years. But here's the deal: without God's fire, we are just an organization. We are just an organization of do-gooders with a moral compass and a good idea to help other people. Without God's fire, we are just a bush. With God's fire, we have become something greater. We had skipped over chapter 20, the last part of chapter 20 in our study of Acts. That was on purpose because I wanted you to see one verse from chapter 20 today. That was very special to us. In, In this part of the chapter, Paul is getting ready to leave the Ephesian church. He has gathered the elders together. He is giving them his last parting message He is handing them the baton of ministry. He's getting ready to go to Jerusalem. We talked about going to Jerusalem, all the problems that are going to be there. He's eventually going to get to Rome. That's where God wants him. He gives these guys a big responsibility. You're going to take over the ministry as I leave. But then he raises the stakes there in chapter 20, verse 28. And I'm just going to read the last part of it. It's going to be up here. He tells them to be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. That's the one thing I want to preach today. This is God's church. He wanted them to be shepherds of God's church. That's the reality. Palview Christian Church is not your church. It's not my church. It's not the elders' church. It's not Penny Penalo's church. Without God's spirit, without the lordship of Jesus Christ, what is this place? We, we, we have a, a harvest gathering every year. woo Without God, Lord's Acre is just another community event. Decisions will be made. Budgets will be devised. Ministries will begin. Pastors will be hired and sometimes fired leadership will grow and change music styles will progress there will be one constant this is god's church and like the transformation of that bush out there in the wilderness god longs for us to recognize that pal butte is his because once we get that what will be true of the bush will be true of us number one it will be a place where we will experience his presence In Exodus chapter 33, Moses is having a conversation with God. Moses said, Lord, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and that I might continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, Moses said, if your presence does not take the lead, call this trip off right now, because I'm not going. It's not worth it if God's presence is not here, because it's the presence of God that changes who we are and gives us value. Abraham's life with God's presence would make people know that he believed in a living God. Joshua is promised that the enemy would not overpower him through God's presence. Gideon is given courage to step out in obedience because of God's presence. And we are promised that we can go through the fire and we will never be alone with his presence. God's presence means he is leading, strengthening, encouraging. And it means that we are listening and seeking and worshiping. Number two. If this is God's church, we will be enlightened to His plans. Enlightened to His plans. You've heard that old saying, you want to make God laugh? Tell Him your plans. Tell Him your plans. Why? Because Proverbs 16 tells us that in our heart, we might plan our course, but the Lord is the one that will determine our steps. Ever come up with a plan that's so genius? That everybody around you knows that you are crazy and it'll never work. But to you, oh, you're sure it will. See, they see something that you can't. They see a problem with your genius plan. Folks, when it comes to being God's church, if we approach our course by trusting in our own plans, we can't see the big picture. If we are only trusting our own instincts, our own desires, that's when disaster is waiting to happen. It's when we trust God for his plans, to wait, to seek, to listen to where he wants us to go, to this God who can see the whole picture that we can find significance. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, to God's church that is in Corinth, to those who have been made holy to God in Christ Jesus, who are called to be his people. We have been made holy. That's the whole idea about being called out Holiness just means to be separate from. God's people are are called then to to be separate, to work a special purpose. What's the purpose for our church? It shouldn't surprise you that his purpose for the church was the same today as it was 75 years ago, which was the same that it was 200 years ago, which was the same that it was 2,000 years ago. Exodus chapter 3. God said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. It was the same purpose that God had for the children of Israel thousands and thousands of years ago. God is in the redeeming business. He does what I have called our most godly ministry, the crafter's ministry. He does what the crafters do. They take old, broken things, and they recreate them and give them new purpose, and that's what God does for us. He takes old, broken lives and gives them new purpose and turns them into something beautiful and new and valuable. That's why the Great Commission was given to us to go into all the world and make disciples. Not our plans, not our purposes, not our Doctrine even, but it's where He directs, what He wants. God's purpose is to bring mankind back into a relationship with Him, and that is His plans for our church as well. Now, that'll look different to different cultures, to different times, to different people, but it will always be the same. God has a plan for our church. And finally, if this is God's church, we will be energized by His power because God will not lead where he will not also empower. God doesn't set us up for failure. If he's leading us out there, he's going to empower us. At the burning bush, Moses was transformed. No longer was he a shepherd of Midian, but he was a leader of God's people. The future was transformed. His identity was transformed. Even his possessions were transformed. When God's power is experienced in a church, lives change, miracles happen, people are given a hand up not a handout. Addictions are overcome. A sense of purpose brings hope to those who had lost hope. The unlovable find a place of acceptance and belonging. And there's a growing sense of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control as God's Spirit empowers us. It's ironic. in, In Acts chapter 20, Paul is reminding the elders of the Ephesians church that it's not their church. Later on, we'll see the Ephesian church in the book of Revelation where Jesus is saying, listen guys, you're doing all the right things but you've forgotten why you should be doing them. You forgot the most important thing is to love God and to do what he wants you to do. They were supposed to be a light in this world but in Revelation 2, 5, Jesus says, if you don't repent, I'm going to come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. You see, we are to serve in his power, shining through us, not being a burnout church that gives off no light, because we cease to be God's church. This is God's church. The 830 service is God's service. The 1030 service is God's service. The 1115 service is God's service. The well and cowboy church are his services. It's not yours. I say, well, my service, the A thirty service is my. No, it's not. It's God's service. Amen? Amen. Why? Because He bought it with His blood. If you ever question your value as a person, as a church, know this: we were bought with a price, and that price was the blood of God, as Jesus would go to the cross and die a sacrificial death. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We have value. Because of who he is. And we are called then to share a responsibility of working the purposes of God in and through who we are. Yes, it's God's church, but we have the privilege of partnering with him. We get to manage what he owns. What I hope you caught over this last weekend is that there have been several hundred people over the years who have gotten to participate with the presence, the plan, and the power of God. They served the Lord in their generation, and now it's our turn. Jesus said that we won't know when he's coming back, but when he does, we will be blessed if we will be doing what he called us to do. And so we take our place in the long line of saints who have given themselves to the service of the king. Those who came before us worked for the kingdom, knowing that someday they would be gone and a new generation of people would come and find renewed connection to God. In other words, they didn't serve themselves, they served the kingdom. Those who worked the ground gave an acre each year to help build the church in so many ways. Those who had talents and specialized skills gave of their time and effort to contribute to the strengthening of this congregation. Back in Acts 20, Paul didn't want to leave the church without a sense of stewardship. So he tells them, take part in the plan. Do what you can to build and encourage God's work through the church. Serve God in your generation. Prepare the way for the next to come alongside. But only with the mindset of who really is in charge here. Have you ever heard this story about the elephant who was kind of big for his britches because he was an elephant? He was marching through the forest He comes up to the monkey and says, Who is the king of this forest? And the monkey says, You are. Oh, you are, sir. Then then he goes and he stomps around the the water hole seeing some of the water birds. He goes, Who is the king? (laughs) That never happens. (laughs) Who is the king of this forest? And the birds all, Well, you are, oh, mighty elephant. Then the elephant came I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. Wow, I've messed everything up. It's not the elephant that's doing this, it, it's the lion. Because the lion is the, right? <laughs> okay, let's go back to the very beginning. <laughs> the lion was doing this. Who's the king of this forest? And every one of those animals were saying, you are, sir, until he gets to the elephant. I knew there was an elephant in the story. And the lion said to the elephant, Who is the king of this forest? At which point the elephant with his mighty trunk picks up the lion and starts banging him back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and beating him up and trampling him and then walked away. And the lion said, Just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean that you have to get so mad. <laughs> we walk around like the lion. We say, This is our church. I go to that go to that church. That's my church. I go to Trey's church. This is Penny Penalo's church. It's whatever. That's wrong. It's wrong. It is not our church. Back to Moses and the bush. One of the things that may surprise you is that when Moses encounters the presence of the Lord there in the burning bush, God asks him to do something very vulnerable, to throw down his staff. Now, that may not be significant to you, but ultimately, that staff was the embodiment of Moses' identity. It was his protection. It was his livelihood. It was his security. And God asks him to throw it down. What do you hold on today as we celebrate being a church? Do you hold on to the power that's given to you through the position that you serve in? Do you hold on to the significant of a a historical last name? Do you hold on to the honor that you received when God moved and worked through you at some point in our history? All of those things can make you forget who really is in charge. So the key is humility. And that's why, Tom, I love you. I love your humility. You teach me every week what it means to be a humble man. Seeing yourself not lower than you should, but not higher than you should. You see yourself in the proper light. Humility will bring us to crave the presence of God in this church. This church is not great because we're great. You've ever heard, how many great men were born in this town? Somebody says, none, just babies. No great men were born. (laughs) You'll you'll, you'll get it, you'll get it. Humility will lead us to glorify him in all that we do. Psalm 115 says, not to us, not to us, O Lord, but to you be the glory. When you brag about your church, do you brag about your God? You should. We should be so ready to give God glory for anything that happens here and all things that happen. Number two, humility will also bring us to submit to his plans to not seek our own way, but to seek the way that God has ordained us to go. It's been said that people try to jam their way through in the church, uh, try to jam their way through in church because this is the only place that they feel like they can control anything. So silos are built and, and personalities clash and our prayers end up the kind that says, God, can you please straighten out the mess that we've made here? When it comes to the future, we say we're looking to the future. That means Humility towards God's plans. It takes people and leadership of the church to be watchful in prayer and willing in practice. Finally, humility will bring us to celebrate the power of God. You, you know why I, I love to say this is not my church? That's way too much pressure on any one person. But I can tell you this, when our budget team and our ministry leaders and our elder board, and our worship teams, and our outreach ministries, and our Sunday school, and Awana leaders, all come to the conclusion that this is God's church, watch out, because we will all be struck with awe as his power changes the very lives of those he has called us to serve and who participate in his church. So yes, Palbut will be the church that you go to. It's the church that you belong to. It's the church that you'll serve. It's the church that will come around you and love on you when you've been beaten up by life, but it's not ultimately yours. God calls you today as you come to this ordinary bush that wasn't so ordinary anymore. He calls you to throw down whatever it is that makes you think this is your church and give it back to him and watch what he does.